spoilers ahead. Spoilers ahead. You have been warned. Welcome to Max Mike Movies. This is our third series, and this time around, we're going off on a tangent. We are in search of dungeons and or dragons, together, at the same time. We're huge gaming nerds. In fact, that's how Max and I met back in 1980. While gaming has been a big part of our lives and has become monumentally popular, we're not sure that the nuance, the je ne sais what's a who's it's, the experience du Dungeons and Dragons has ever been truly depicted on the big screen. In this series, we will be presenting a movie that argue why that movie does or doesn't impart the feeling of what it truly means to be a murder hobo. Adventure! And speaking of adventure, I am Mike Luce, Captain of Adventure, and this is... Max Levine, mild annoyer of farm animals. <laughs> mild annoyer? Yes, I go over to them and I, t I try to play on their uh, self-esteem issues. Hey, chicken, you call that a comb? That's no comb. I've seen better combs in barber shops. Ah. It and, drives um, them nuts. Trust me. Do you, uh, do, you, do you make money at this? Is this a... It's just a matter of time. I see. Any right. day now, the bucks are going to come rolling in. So speaking of delusions, this week we're <laughs> going to be talking about that 1988 classic, Willow. Wait, classic, what's, yes. what's that? You can't watch Willow because it's not available <laughs> anywhere? Yes, it's yeah. true. Strangely, for a George Lucas-produced film directed by Ron Howard, this film is strangely hard to find. Uh, it's on YouTube, although I think what happened was... Somebody got some sort of like eight millimeter print, aimed it at their living room wall, done in stucco, and then filmed it with a VHS camera in about 1995. Um, and then they digitized it and put it up on YouTube because it's a really, I don't know if the copy you saw was lousy, but the copy I saw was lousy. It wasn't great, but uh, it was adequate. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, we're going to be talking about Willow, the fantasy adventure by George Lucas, and uh, we're going to be deciding at the end of our show whether this film is D&D-like, if it it's what it mm. feels like to be one of those characters out to right wrongs or, you know, to steal chickens, whatever. Disaster kleptomaniacs. Yeah, yep. there you go. The show. Uh, the plot of this film mm. is all about the title character, Willow. He wants to be a sorcerer in a village of Nelwins. Uh, Nelwins is Hobbit. I mean, not Hobbits. It's I, I didn't say Definitely Hobbits. Definitely not Hobbits. No, nope, not Hobbits. Not, we never saw anyone with hairy feet. Nelwins. Right, Nelwins. Yes, Nelwins. His life... His life is changed when he finds an abandoned baby who just happens to be the Chosen One. Chosen One. TM, chosen One. Chosen who is destined one. to bring down the reign of the evil queen, Bav Morda. Don't, evil don't. queen, evil queen, evil queen. <laughs> You're not Actually, you are helping. <laughs> While trying to find someone amongst the big people, otherwise big known people, as... Big people, big people, big people. <laughs> Daikini. Sorry, I'll, I'll stop now. <laughs> big people known as the Daikini. TM, mm -hmm. uh, to take care of this baby, Willow finds himself in the middle of a struggle of good against evil, TM. Evil! Evil! <laughs> There's a crazy down-in-his-luck warrior, two crazy tiny little itsy-bitsy brownies, and a two-headed dragon that will win your heart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um... Trivia for this film, uh, there, there's probably tons more. Um, I actually did watch a little making of, of film this morning, because uh, I, I actually ordered the disc. It was $6. Um, <laughs> you and, got robbed. And, uh, yeah, we'll get to the part about whether I like this film, but I kind of like the film. Uh, and there was some trivia in there. Most of it I had heard before, um, but no, just for fun. Uh, Warwick Davis was 18 making this film. 
Oh, I thought he was 17. Okay. Well, it depends. So if it, in the, the oh. making of documentary that's on the disc, he says he's 18. So I trust oh, okay. him. Um, apparently on set, Val Kilmer didn't get along exactly well with Joanne Wally or Whaley. Um, although that apparently changed because after movie they got married. Yeah. And yeah. then they got divorced. <clears throat> mm-hmm. So um, the film was not a hit. It cost about $35 million, which at that time was a pretty hefty budget, mm. um, and domestically only pulled in about 58 Apparently, through some merchandising and worldwide release, it did end up turning a profit, but not much of one. Um, the story of this film was actually supposed to be a trilogy, because that's what you have to do. And mm. because it wasn't a big hit, um, they decided to, I should say, George decided to finish the story in a series of books called The Chronicles of the Shadow War. Interestingly, uh, while he does, of course, have writing credit on there, the books also have writing credit by a well-known writer of comic books, specifically the X-Men, Chris Claremont. Oh, dear. Well, let's just... Chris Claremont was a great comic book writer. Uh, Mm. His novels... Um, I bet you this much. I haven't read them, but I bet there's lots of dialogue. Uh, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> if there's one thing that some of the X-Men can't do in his comics is shut up. <laughs> Especially Cyclops. I'm looking at yeah. you. Um, apparently, this movie was written specifically for Warwick Davis after he was working on the set of Return of the Jedi. Although, there uh-huh. was a, apparently, the idea goes back to uh, 1972 when uh, George Lucas was working on a script entitled The Munchkins. Oh, dear. I, I Sounds like something I'm glad we were spared. Yeah, because that's not derogatory. Okay. No. Um, mm-hmm. Up for the main part of Mad Mardigan, or the arguably main part of Mad Mardigan, was John Cusack. And apparently he huh. really regrets that he didn't get it. That could have been fun, too, having John Cusack. It would have made Mad Mardigan... I think John Cusack is much more likable on screen than uh, Val Kilmer is. Uh, in general, I'm going to agree with you. It depends on the... the film um and they Mm. both have or can have if they choose to have that sort of wise guy quality but um, yeah i don't know i I, I sort of think of val kilmer's a little bit having more of a a physical presence than uh john cusack he's got yeah he's he's especially in this movie he just looks more like a here an action hero what i mean by that is he looks nice in his skirt (laughs) (laughs) Um, he, he loses his shirt a number of times uh, yeah. Oh, um, big surprise! Mm. The baby wears a wig. No. <laughs> yes, that is a wig. <laughs> um, making a reappearance in a movie that we have talked about, our old friend Kevin Pollock, who apparently is pretty much able to do anything. Because I look from here and I go right back to usual spot suspects, and I was like, "Wait, that's the same guy? Really?" <laughs> um, so yep. I, 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 I'm learning to like Kevin Pollock, and I have to start looking for him in more films. Um. Apparently, it wasn't just that the film didn't do well. It was apparently hard to get uh, funding for it ahead of time because none of the other fantasy movies at the time had been very successful. Uh, Some of those films we'll be talking about later in this series. Spoiler! Yes, we will. All right. Uh, This is more of a warning uh, for folks. The goddamned Wilhelm scream is in the movie three times. If you do not know what the Wilhelm scream is, do not look it up. I'm serious. Ah! Once you once you hear or once you know what the Wilhelm screen is, you yeah. can't not hear it and they yep. still use it. And so. it takes you right out of the movie. Oh, I hate that thing. I want to become a director just so I can go to the sound people afterward and say any of you who uses that is fired. <laughs> uh, um 
interesting connection here. We have we have two connections to director Ron Howard. Uh, the first of which, the actor who played Eric, his name is Gavin O'Hurley. Um, uh. had the dubious honor of playing the older brother Chuck Cunningham on Happy Days. Nepotism, anyone? Yes, he, Chuck, who ascended the staircase in, what, the third episode of season one, and was ascended into heaven, for he was never seen on Earth again. Well, the interesting part is they never mention him again. Either. Nope, it's like he's just gone. I think I remember specifically that he dribbles a basketball a couple of times. Mm-hmm. I, I remember that. And then... Um, That's it. And then the Fonz showed up. That's it. That's what happened. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Chuck Cunningham. I, I um, think actually the Fonz may have actually eaten Chuck Cunningham. Possibly to absorb his cool. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Um, speaking of dubious honors, <clears throat> and Max knows where I'm going with this, the, uh, yeah. uh, the two-headed dragon in this thing, whose name I will not repeat because it's dumb. Oh, we'll get a, to it. No, we won't. Yes, we will. <laughs> Not in my trivia, we won't. Uh, the two-headed dragon was supposedly designed um, after the director's brother, Clint Howard. Oh, poor Clint. Yeah. We're okay. sorry, Clint. Yeah. Um, I because mean, yeah. It, it, Clint shows up in a lot of Ron Howard's films, and apparently there just somehow there wasn't room for him in this. I don't know how, because there's plenty of warriors and stuff, but... Um, I know, I'll make you a 200 dragon. Aren't I a great older brother? Yay. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, that's my trivia, except for the thing you're tr- you'll not talk about. Do you have any trivia, Max? Well, yeah. One of the things that George Lucas is known for is his lo- ongoing, shall we say, poor relationship with film critics. <laughs> Why do Be- you say that? <laughs> uh, because film critics tend to just savage a lot of his work, even some of the Star Wars movies. And Mr. Lucas, he do not take criticism good. Aww. It's pretty well known. So he keeps naming, in this movie, he names a couple of the bad guys after famous film critics. The evil general with the stupid-ass skull helmet that I don't understand how he can see how he's fighting is General Kale. And it's even spelled K-A-E-L like the famed film critic Pauline Kale. Aww. And the monster that Mike doesn't want to talk about. That's right. La, 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 la. It's not mentioned anywhere in the actual movie, although apparently it's in the script. It is called an Ebersisk, as in Siskel and Ebert. (laughs) 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 Oh, George, my sides. Yeah. Boy, he Uh. sure got back. Well, to be fair, he's got more money than there is money. Um, So I guess he wins. But, um, yeah. Yeah, That was uh, the only other trivia I wanted to throw in. Yeah, there's bunches of stuff out there, and it's mm-hmm. fine. You know, it's it, there's there's always you know large amounts of stuff. Um, you know, oh, they had to ha- had trouble finding 225 little people. You know, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, that's that's the big stuff that I found. Um, so we'll go moving on talking about what we think about the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm going to make a prediction here. I predict that Max does not like this movie. The lowdown. Uh, I actually, it's not that I don't like it. I think it has a lot of really fun parts. I love Warwick Davis. Yes. Uh, Warwick Davis, by the way, you have seen, you have seen in everything. Uh, mainly his big thing in the last 10 or 20 years was the the Harry Potter movies, where he plays both Professor Flitwick, uh, the Charms Professor, and Griphook, the Goblin. Yep. He was uh, also in um, a, a couple of, I think, of the um, uh Lion Witch in the Wardrobe films. He played yes. some character called Reap a Cheap. And apparently yes. he's wearing the same boots as he wore in this film. Oh, wow. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Warwick Davis has such a great look and he has such a cool voice. 
and yeah. those biz- and those amazing eyebrows. He has these great arched eyebrows. He's very cool, and uh, all, I like the look. Everything looks really cool. It looks very fantasy. Mm-hmm. The thing is, I think it's got a lot of good pieces. I just don't think it hangs together very well yeah. as a, a single cohesive movie. There's a lot to like about it. Again, the pacing is good. The action scenes are fun. Mm, I'm not going to agree with you on the pacing. But well, the pacing, okay, yeah, there are times it really friggin' drags. It takes... Yeah, Hmm? Go ahead. I'm sorry. The movie takes a long time to get going. Yeah. Because apparently, and I can, I guess I can understand it, except we've seen it done better so many times. <coughs> Lord of the Rings. <coughs> they mm-hmm. wanted Go to, es- they wanted to establish the back Willow's backstory, but they take an. Aw- it feels like a really long time where we hang around the Nelwyn village and watch them basically have a Renaissance fair. <laughs> It did kind of have that Renfest feel. There, I it? was waiting for a huzzah or someone selling a leather mug. <laughs> but yeah. the the one thing in there I really liked, you know, what really surprised me, and I remember this when I saw the movie, was Billy Barty. Billy Barty, who is one Wait, of Wait, I'm be- sorry. There's a movie about little people, and you were surprised that Billy Barty was in it? No, what surprised oh. me was how good he was. Billy he was Barty, enjoyable. Billy Barty is, you know, he he's he in basically anything from like the '60s through the '90s. If you saw a little person, that was him. Although he was no Gwildor in this, he was this. <laughs> yeah, probably, neutrinos. Yeah, probably his most embarrassingly painful role is Gwildor in the He-Man movie with Dolph oh. Lundgren. Uh, that's right up there with his role in uh, Doctor Shrinker. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's. Let, let's let's say this. He has presence and he's funny. He's not an actor. He's really he's mostly comic. I, and know, unfor- on, the, on, on the other hand, I will say I'm sorry to interject here, but hmm? he has some of my favorite lines in the film. I will consult the bones. The bones tell me nothing. <laughs> That's <laughs> the, the bird. Follow the river. <laughs> in this, he's really good. He doesn't have a lot of dialogue, yeah. but he really makes a convincing wise man slash wizard. Yes, he does. Uh, He's real. He's actually one of the cooler characters, and I'm always kind of sorry with this movie that he's in two scenes and that's it, and he's gone. I like the fact too that there is the insinuation that the High Aldwin is a fake, and mm-hmm. he knows it. At least not a, not a total fake, because he obviously has some powers. But he's not nearly the high mucky muck that everyone thinks he is. He's just like, look, I'm smarter than you people. <laughs> you need someone to tell you what to do. Maybe I can't turn the village into a toad, but. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll do a couple of things that make you guys sit up and pay attention. Yeah, um, except some of the stuff, the, the magic acorns he gives Willow, which are ca- petrification spells, that's serious magic, man. That is, especially, I know we're going to talk about the gaming element later, but from, from a D&D point, that's serious. That's a really nice item to have. Yes, and that's the thing. It's a nice item to have. We don't know that he made them. Oh, that is true. He might have just known who to find them, or who did make them, or where to find them. But or maybe he was a friend of of Charlindry at some point. Who knows? You know. Yeah. But it's like again, you know, we he can do something. Like he made the bird. But mm-hmm. I, you definitely like the bones tell me nothing. So you definitely <laughs> get the idea. It's like a lot of this is for show. And what I'm actually looking for is not an apprentice, but somebody smart enough to run this place. Yeah. Um, which is cool. But yeah, he and I love him on that that sedan chair thing. That he, he's like, I'm important. And you see, you just look at him going. He is trying not to laugh. Yeah. Not as an actor, but as a character. Yep. Um. So yeah, Billy Barty's fun. I like Billy. He, Barty. he is. I think this is like the best thing I remember ever seeing him in. And, and Warwick Davis is really good, like you said, too. He carries the movie perfectly well. Yeah. he And the annoying thing is, 
Warwick Davis is the star of the movie. He doesn't get top billing. Well, you know, it's funny. I saw some of the trivia. They pointed out lots of other places where that's true, such as Superman, where mm. Christopher Reed gives third billing because, you know, Mar- Marlon Brando and Gene... Gene Siskel. <laughs> Gene God. Siskel. Boy, that would have been a much more interesting. Ah, you know, I really like being a villain. Um, Gene Hackman. Uh, so, uh, you know. Otisberg? Otisberg? Yeah, and he was, you know, of course, the, the name of the film, so it would have been yeah. nice if he had been I mean, up at the top. But, yeah, I, I agree. Mm. Um, for somebody we'd, we'd really pretty much never seen before because he's barely visible. Uh, actually, no, he's not visible at all in Star Wars. He's in a suit. Yeah. Um, you know, to give somebody a movie like that, it's like he had to have been impressed. So, mm. yeah. No, I definitely... He, he's he's cool. He has cool. Yeah, he has the cool. And his char- he does a nice character. He very gives a really good uh, uh, version of... I Here's a guy who has lived his whole life. He's just normal. He wants to be special, but deep down he's afraid he isn't. And he's suddenly thrust into extraordinary events, and he finds his courage. You see, he's scared at a number of points. He doesn't want to do this, but he knows it's the right thing to do, and he, you know, as they say, screws his courage to the sticking place and keeps going. And when you can sit... I know, I know. (laughs) In a lot of ways, that's a really crude-sounding phrase, but it's not, okay? Just shut up. (laughs) That's the thing that got me, is... uh, you see him being brave. He's in a world where literally everyone is bigger and stronger than he is. Mm. And yet he keeps going and he'll he attacks people three times his size. And he does and that's the other thing he doesn't instantly become a badass. No, it's like, or yeah. really ever. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know, at the end he's he's pretty he does it pretty he's pretty shrewd. Well, he he also has one of my my favorite quotes of the film. I have a few quotes in here. Mm. You stupid hag! <laughs> and it's and like just... this is the queen of all evil, and you know, and and catch up. You're making and stuff. her mad. And I know, and she's like, you know, of course, this is a very wet film, and yeah. you know, it's nothing worse than a, a wet witch because you know, nobody <laughs> likes that. It makes and them soggy and hard to light. That's right, and and there she's done these amazing things, and she's turned the entire army into pigs. Which, in the least impressive sequence of the film, and I don't say that because of the makeup, I say that because all she does is go, you're a pig, and you're a pig, and you're a pig. Yeah, she kind of Oprahs them into pigs. (laughs) She does. It's like, uh, could we have a little puff of smoke? Yeah, some light. A a magic fart. Something. That is something I do have to say about this movie. A lot of the visual effects do not age well. The um, the monster, the two-headed monster, really looks bad. The trolls, it's like, okay, they're not even on the same sound stage. The blue screen for the brownies was not great either. No. Um, but, you know, for the time it was fine, because it was uh, all Star yeah, yeah, Wars it, era it was stuff. Okay. I don't know, Star Wars has aged a lot better, and Star Wars um, was ten <clears throat> years before. Yeah, re- remember that Star Wars has been fixed. No, it, ha- it has. No, it hasn't. Yes, yes, it has. <laughs> yeah, I know, they've, they've <laughs> Just... redigitized stuff. But even back then, a lot of the practical effects looked a lot better. Mm, I'm gonna have to go on a limb here and say, yeah, uh, well, because um, those were a lot of those restorebot masks. So especially the the werewolf guy, they cut him out. They cut him entirely out. But when he turns to the camera, and goes, Grrr! and it's like, ah, oh, your mouth doesn't move, does it? Nope, it doesn't. Um, I actually, I mean, I don't like the the, the monster, the two headed dragon thing, because I just think it's ugly. I don't like the way it, it looks. 
but they I believe it was one of the only other uses of something called go motion which I really do like cuz it was a stop motion oh. puppet oh. but it moved a lot yeah see it moved a lot more smoothly than usual because they developed this system for dragon slayer and what happens when you do stop motion the the action looks kind of jerky it looks a little too smooth and the reason is because when you move and you film that there is blur there's stuff that's out of focus well when you do stop motion everything's perfectly focused and so it doesn't look quite real well in the 80s the mid 80s they developed this thing called go motion and what happened was a computer would literally jostle whatever the thing was that was moving at the time just enough while the frame was being taken so you got motion blur but you were still animating it, and they huh. used that for this. And I, I don't know if there's any other uses of it, but I, after that, they pretty much went to CG and never bothered with it, with it again. But hmm. so, um, so I'm going to go back to a little point you were making about uh, the the pacing. Um, a lot of traveling in this film. Yeah, yeah, a lot we're of, back, uh, back to the same things with Eragon. Yeah, and that, it's like you know, nobody was flying, but mm-hmm. a lot of um, horses, a lot of walking. A lot yeah. of you know, yeah, a couple of points. You're going, wow, Roger Corman walking scenes. I see. <laughs> now we're hey, we got to hey. re- you got to remember that uh, you know he was the one who discovered Lucas or helped him out. Yeah, and a bunch of other people. Yeah. Um, it's funny because you know we, after last week's show where we were talking about Conan and we specifically mm. said, yeah, stuff's far away. We don't dwell on it. It's great. It's like oh, let's go to the city. Ah, we're done. Let's leave. And, that, and yeah. that's it. It's like, here here we're traveling, here's a five-second shot of us running, and here's the the location. You still got the sense of distance and scale, but it wasn't boring. Yeah, and that's when the film really really drags, is is the traveling. Um, It it gets kind of... There's a couple of points, too, that they Mm -hmm. just kind of slow down. I understand why they're there, but it's just like, uh, well, popcorn time, so... Mm. Um, And this is one of of, uh, Ron Howard's earlier films, and Lucas basically said... Here, have a large bag of money and make this giant movie. <laughs> and Ron Howard was like, well, I did Cocoon and Splat. No, make this much bigger film. Okay. <laughs> and, he, you know, it's all things considered, it's fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's done much better work. There's a yes, lot of Ron has. Howard films I like very much. But it's He fine. clearly improved as he went along. <laughs> yes. Um, and his mustache. Um, <laughs> I want to say also, you know. So, so yes, you know, gonna... Opie, you got better. Anyway, yes, sorry. <laughs> Now that stuff. Cheap, um, huh? <laughs> in the uh, early part of this film, uh, there's kind of a little adventuring party. It's when the Nelwyn leave the their village to go to the Daikini Crossroads. And don't worry if you don't know what those words mean. Um, they don't mean anything. Uh, they go with a, with a, the local merchant, Burglecut. I guess that's what he is. Um, mm. Who, Quite honestly, horrible character, really well played. Oh, yeah. You instantly hate that you, guy. You, you hate him just... from his first line. You immediately go, this guy's a jerk. Yep, and when he gets puked on and pooped on, you're just like, yay! This is, you know, they're poop jokes and puke yep. jokes, but yay! Couldn't happen to a nicer guy. Um, that guy really knows how to throw a laugh, because holy mm. crap, it's instantly like, and who's going to do it, you? <laughs> he's like, he's, he's, I don't know who the actor is off the top of my head, but he did a great job. He did. But when they go off, he goes off with the warrior and the supposed sorcerer and the local merchant, who admittedly is not usually part of the D&D group. Uh, he's really and several guy. unnamed guys. Guys. Well, well, Migosh is, Migosh is Mig- there. Migosh is, is there name. and the warrior, whatever his name was. And the rest of Venkar. And there are like two or three others who are just sort of there. Um, they're called Venkar Warrior. Uh, Both of them. Uh, yeah. 
That, um, see, that's why I disagree. I don't think that's an adventuring party. I think they are a bunch of guys. They and, are an adventuring party because they actually do have a goal, and they go out to meet it. They they leave their village, and admittedly, then most of them go scurrying back as soon. That's as they can. the thing that they they don't run into any conflict, and as soon as they run into any potential conflict, all except two of them leave. Everybody I said kind leaves. of an adventuring party. That's a, yes, it's called the world's most boring game session. Okay, we come to a river. Is there an easy way across? No, we go home. Hey, do you know? I who wish is? I hadn't told you that story. <laughs> it has nothing to do with my recent D and D game yeah, and our go. band of misfits. Yeah, but you see, you um, didn't go home. You got across the river. These guys are like, oh, it's getting hard. We're leaving, and only and only the real adventurer, Willow, stays. Yeah. I mean, Migosh, yeah. who is his best friend, he makes a real effort. You can tell. He's like, no, I, I don't want to leave you alone. Yeah. But even he go, you know, Willow sends him home because he knows, like, this is not for you, kiddo. You know yeah. the ones who are the actual adventurers? The damn brownies, the comic relief. <laughs> the, the two guys, Me- these are played by stand-up comics, you know, Rick Overton and your and our boy Kevin Pollock. And what is, you know, it's, the brownies are sitting there after, you know, a, a terrible setback. They're going, oh, you know, we'll, we, we, can't, we can't catch up with them. They're too, they're too fast. Yeah, we could track them. Yes, but then we'll just get caught. And one of them goes, you want us to go home? And the other one says, nah, this is more fun. <laughs> it's like, there you go. Those are adventurers. It's, Besides a, which... it's stupid. It's dangerous. We're going to get killed, but it looks like fun. We're going to do it. And besides, they have arguably the best quote in the movie. I stole the baby. <laughs> <laughs> now, that is one strong bird. I don't know what that's supposed to be. That is a remarkably powerful falcon. It really is to carry both one of these brownies and what is clearly, I don't know, a six-month-old human baby. Yeah, with a wig. Mm. Um, And a backpack. And And a a backpack backpack and a blanket. Yeah, that's one powerful anger anger chicken. Yeah. um, (laughs) There's a couple of things here that that didn't quite work for me. That was one of them. It's like, okay. I mean, if they had gotten like an eagle and then they like digitally made it bigger or something yeah it's a Uh, fantasy world why can't you have some fantastic bird yeah just even you know ah this is the you know daikinian slightly larger than standard eagle it doesn't have to be a you don't have to have guai here or theranador you can just have a big eagle wow you're a you're a master of names aren't you (laughs) i always i love those names in lord of the rings they were such great names for birds you know guai here the wind lord and theranador well, who was Landraval? Wasn't he one of them? Uh, yeah, I think Landraval was another one. Yes, because they say, and here, here came Gwaihir, the Windlord, and Landraval and all his kin. Yeah, that was my favorite name. Was Landraval? Landraval's a cool I, one. I would love to have stolen that. I never but did I, though. I like Gwaihir because it kind of sounds like an eagle shrieking. I always thought it was Gwaihir, but whatever. Eh, it, it might be. It's written down. I don't <clears> know. I don't think they ever say it in the movie. Well, who cares about the movie? We're talking yeah. about the books. True, well, no, true. Here we're talking about movies, but right. in our other podcast about books, which will be coming in 2025. <laughs> yep, yep. That that was, uh, yeah, that, that there's one sort of no way. It's like, okay, no way a hawk could carry that. The other thing that kind of surprised me is at one point, Willow climbs up on a full-grown horse and can ride it. Well, he doesn't climb. He swings onto it. So give him credit there. He actually swings on from a, a rafter. Oh, no, I'm talking about when they're leaving the village, when they've captured Sorsha, and they steal a couple of horses. Willow, now, it's not the climbing up that bothers me. That's okay. He clambers up on the horse 
And he rides it. He grabs the reins. Somehow he can fit his legs in the stirrups. First of all, how did he ever learn to ride? They don't have horses there. They maybe have a couple of little Shetland ponies in the Nelwyn village. No, they use pigs. Yeah, that we, yeah, but he comes back home on one and they don't all go, ah, what is this strange creature? So they must have seen them. Well, but they don't have horses. How does he ride a full-grown destrier? You know, that wasn't one of the things that I noted that was like, wow, really? Yeah, um, that was for me. Yeah, because I, 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 he does swing into the horse. The fact that he rides it is kind of goofy. Yeah. Um, but the um, the goofy scenes for me is suddenly we're in the sledding scene from Living Daylights. Oh, Followed yes. by the old rolled up in a snowball routine from just about every Hanna-Barbera cartoon ever. Yeah, when you see Mad Mardigan come rolling down the hill in what is basically a snow cylinder, I don't even, yeah. which I guess makes more sense than him rolling up in a snowball, it really is like, oh no, look out, look out, boo-boo, I'm coming through. <laughs> <laughs> it was um, out of a cartoon or like you yeah. know wily you'd expect wily coyote to crawl out of it that was just dumb i'm sorry and it doesn't fit i also thought well he's dead yeah it's <laughs> the other thing he's come bouncing down a mountain like that he's either frozen to death or he's the impacts killed him i mean that was like one second off of him bursting through a wall and the hole in the wall is the shape of him <laughs> yeah <laughs> which is um, unfortunate because other than that as we get back to the characters, Mad Mardigan, Val Kilmer's character, is actually pretty cool. He's a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, there's a there was apparently in the trivia I didn't bring this up, but apparently there was a lot of backstory for him. Mm -hmm. um, and one of the things that I liked about him is actually his chemistry with the minor character named Eric, the guy, the guy yeah. who was played by Chuck Cunningham. Um, and you definitely got a feeling that these guys had been through some stuff, and it wasn't all good because. Mad Mardigan obviously still considered Eric a friend, and Eric was like, yeah, you took one step too many. And yeah. I don't remember the exact part that got was in the script and then got cut out and didn't get filmed. But apparently there was some something of, of honor, and Mad Mardigan had the opportunity of gaining his honor back, and Eric was there and ended up either somehow screwing over Eric or he, had, he left the battlefield or something. Mm -hmm. But there was definitely some background. And the cool thing is, is that the characters don't interact very much, but you can feel... These guys know each other. Yeah, that works. Yeah, that works pretty well. And obviously, he's pushed Eric too far because it's like, yeah, I'm not letting you out of the cage. I think I'd rather let you die. <laughs> yeah. But then at the end, you know, there's that that bit. Spoiler: When Eric dies, he's like, "Win this war for me." And and you can tell that Mad Mardigan has. There's nothing for Mad Mardigan to forgive. He's always considered Eric his friend, probably because he doesn't have anybody else. Yeah. But he is fun. He is obviously a very good swordsman. He's probably a thief. He never denies it. <laughs> no. Um, so he's. A, I'm going to say he's a multi-class. So yeah. He's a yeah. Fighter he thief. Yep. Uh, uh, speaking. He's, yeah. The other he's end. He's dirty. Yeah. He is ahead. dirty. That is nice, actually. Oh, it's, it's dirty like film okay. because you know what? It's wet. If there's one thing apparently yeah. about Wales, it's wet. 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 Yep. Very, mo it's a very moist country, and also I do like that. I like in these fantasy films. It always bothers me where everyone has flawless teeth and perfect hair care products, yeah. and no one gets any dirt on them because obviously they showered every day. You know, in a culture, you know, in the in this sort of place where they, you don't have running water, people bathe like once a month, maybe once every couple of weeks if they were lucky, splashing around in a stream or something. Everyone's always so damn clean. They're not clean in this. They look like they work with the land. They look like they're dirty. That's fine. That's much more believable. Hmm? If you bathe, you get the vapors. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, you get the flux. Oh, the flux. That's right. Yep. And then you go 88 miles an hour. And they used to believe in winter it was healthier to have like a nice layer of dirt and grease and ash on your skin to keep you warm. 
Mm. Yeah, yeah. That was good eating. Think about that next time you see, like, a romantic scene. That's what always gets me, a romance scene in these fantasy movies. Okay, yeah, look at them making out and rubbing their their filthy, unwashed bodies, and they have no concept of dental care. Do you have any idea what their breath must smell like? Oh, filthy, unwashed bodies. Oh, (laughs) Oh, yeah, that gets you hot. Okay. I know it's cultural, but what do you want? Um, Uh, I will tell you, so... uh, um, I have a very, very slight understanding of the whole adventuring thing because I am one of those fools who does costuming at the local Renfest. Yes, he does. Um, he has an awesome orc costume. He looks. I so, do have an orc look, costume. Looks so cool. And it, it, it has a full head mask, which admittedly you don't have to admit adventure with a full head mask. But <laughs> I do wear some leather armor. I have a little bit of steel and stuff. And it's probably, the whole thing probably weighs an extra 40 pounds or something. Oof. I'm going to tell you. Um, walking around for a few hours, and I do by few, I mean between two and three. After two and three hours, ooh, does that get old? And I'm not even <laughs> carrying extra crap like a bedroll or food or anything. Adventuring sucks. I'm just telling you right now. There is no glamour. It is not pretty. Never mind the cleaning. Never mind the fact that, like, yeah, you can't carry enough food, which means that, hey, at the end of the day, now you get to go hunting or whatever. Mm. Um, adventuring sucks. That's why nobody did it, because yeah. it sucks. It's like, let's stay in the village, because otherwise sucks. Okay. Well, some of them did, you know, because their village was burned down, or it was better than getting the plague or being hanged because you stole a rabbit. Or the vapors. Mm-hmm. Or you got the vapors. <laughs> the yeah, everyone could, or everyone could die from the rickets. <laughs> or the croup. Um, yeah, uh, but mm. yeah, it's just, no, no, uh, you yeah. know. Ugh. And then one week at the Renfest, it was very muddy, and I'm, you know, tracking it all over my, my boots, and then getting it on my, my cloak, and it's just like, you know, yeah. Because yeah, if I didn't well. have a hose, I wouldn't be able to hose that cloak off when I got home, and it would just still be there. Uh, yeah. uh, spoiler, the boots are still muddy. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, no, that, that's why it's a fantasy, but there are, there are levels of it. You know, there are some... Where you look around and going, wow, the armor all is awfully bright and shiny and looks like it's made of chrome and not steel and everyone's yep. clean and everyone looks like they just came out of a Vidal Sassoon commercial. Because <laughs> if you don't look good, I don't look good. Exactly. Wait, if I don't look good, you don't know. If, you, <laughs> if we don't look. <laughs> you, you just you should look at a warrior and think, L'Oreal, because I'm worth it. <laughs> And yet, um, and actually, that's a point I didn't even think of. One of the ways they actually, up until the end of the film, they kind of underlined the fact that, yeah, Mad Mardigan actually is that good, is that until the end of the film, he doesn't wear armor. In fact, no. at one point, he's barely wearing a skirt. Mm-hmm. Um, and he does fine. Yeah, you know? he stays he, alive, he... and he's fighting guys in full armor and beating the crap out of them. Yeah, so, you know, Mad Mardigan, um, one of the... Uh, the points of Mad Morgan is there's this little subplot with the dust of broken hearts. I can say this much for this movie. At least Mad Mardigan didn't imprint on the baby. <laughs> oh, God. Hey, yeah. I didn't write it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Damn you, Stephanie Brown. Um, Brown? My or, I see I blank her, ma- her name out. <laughs> Uh, yeah, because, okay. And, yeah. you know, the, 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 the dust of broken hearts, yeah. I, I get it. It was it was kind of a contrivance. I, yeah, I got to say, that is, you were talking about how good Mad Mardigan's relationship with with Eric, or whatever his name was. Eric. Eric. Is, Eric. A-I-R-K. Eric. Uh, Eric. Is very believable. His relationship with Sorsha is not. Yeah. I mean, even, even once the dust wears off and they suddenly like, I hate you, I hate you. Okay, I don't hate you anymore. Now I'm into you. Well, the funny like, part was is that one of the bits of the making of that I watched was interviewing Val Kilmer, and he was talking about the love scene and the kissing, and he was like, 
Yeah, that was really kind of hard to do. Um, <laughs> we had to do many times, and we'd kiss, and I'd forget my lines. I never did get it right. And mm. then they'd cut to her, and she they both were basically trying not to say, we didn't get along. Uh, <laughs> Which, yeah. of course, leads to a great marriage. Um, but it's not just that. It's the way it's shown in the movie. I mean, my God, they're trying to kill each other. Obviously, there is some chemistry, and that does come across, I think. they're Clearly, that they're, they're sort of attracted to each other. But, like, what is... She goes from trying to kill him to, you know, making out with him because she's watching him kill her soldiers. And she's just, yeah. like, saying, wow. It's like, ooh, aren't you big and strong and impressive? You're I so assume. Handsome. I assume. I mean, we don't really know what she's thinking. She's just sort of staring at him, you know, and wetting her lips a lot, but... The best I could think was that she had been in a position where nobody really cared for her or gave her the time of day because she's got her her mom who's horrible. Yeah, serious um, dysfunctional relationship with the mom there. Her, her father apparently was one of the frozen people, or he's turned into oh. stone. Apparently, we don't know that because that part got written out, but he's actually mm. in there as as a statue. Um, we've got General Kale, who's sort of a stand-in father, and he's an ass. Uh, I'm sorry, he's a jerk too. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Yeah. No beep, no beeping. And we assume um, he's a jerk. We don't. We he gets no character development at all. He's evil. Yeah, grr, pretty much. Grr, grr. I'm Darth Vader or something. No, grr. no, 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 no. No, we don't mention. I got a big Death Skull helmet, and I'm tough and bad, and I do what the Queen says, and that's my entire character. And what kind of skull was that? Um, don't know. Plastic? I don't know. It kind of looked like that monster for the end of the. Uh, big trouble little china <laughs> a little bit yeah a little bit i just um, again it was one of those helmets where you're looking at it going how does he see it's yeah. really, you're looking through somebody else's orbital sockets what do you you've got no peripheral vision that's the dumbest helmet i've ever seen but it was scary and evil uh, evil yeah um, that part their relationship i that made no sense that nah, actually kind really. of takes me out of the movie somewhat when they're trying to make that happen yeah um, it was nice. I mean, she she's only a a damsel in distress at one moment, and it's mm. when Mad Mardigan has her at knife point. Otherwise, she doesn't fall into the usual trope of "Oh, Mad Mardigan, help me, help." Yeah, me. no, she's a badass. Is, she's tough. She's nice. Yeah, and she's tough. Her men are terrified of her. Yep. And and like you pointed out in Conan, nobody says, "Wow, she's a good swords person for a woman." So she just gets to be herself, and, and it's like. Hey, Hollywood, it's not that hard. Just mm. let her do her thing and don't make a big deal out of it, right? Yeah, they had this 30 years ago, dudes. Come on, really? Yeah. yeah um, the, the other character I kind of like, although I always wanted to, under, to hear more about her, is the sorceress Finn Razil, who spends most of her time as an animal. And then, unfortunately, times in a wet dress. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and she was the actress was really good. I liked her, she her part. She was great. You got this, that impression that there's a lot going on here. And I'm, I'm sure there was all sorts of backstory between her and Bav Morda and mm-hmm. stuff. And, um, you know, then she aged as a possum. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. And um, the fight between her and Bav Morda at the end, that's a really good <laughs> wizard's duel. Well, it reminded me of a certain other wizard's duel that came mm-hmm. later. Do you, do you, can you think of the parallel I'm drawing here? Uh, not off the top of my head. Which one? Uh, think of two old magic-using people. Oh, like Gandalf and Saruman? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, it, yeah, which also is a great sequence. I mean, again, it's a little more action-y than you yeah. expect from the book. I mean, there it's mostly just, you know, battle of wills and, you know... And the, this was more like a cage match. <laughs> yes, this is... <laughs> I am going to pile-drive Gandalf! 
right through Orthank. It's like, Listen, um, Saruman, I'm gonna kick you so hard that all your kids will die. Grr, gnar, gnar. If you smell yeah. what Gandalf is cooking, yeah, it was yeah. yeah, kind of a pro wrestling match. But this this was I thought very it was well done. Again, there is a lot of you know not the most impressive magic special effects, and it does kind of devolve into punching and kicking, but... I love the part when Finn Rizal punches Bab Morta <laughs> in the face. It's kind of like, magic, magic, ah, screw it, smack! And Bab Morta <laughs> just looks like, what the hell did you just do? Hey, it worked. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you stupid hag! Um, yes, and the way Willow pulls it out at the end, and he does it not through through magic, but through cunning. And he the thing is... is all he needs to her to do is believe him for a second, yeah. and she does, and it's and, awesome. Yep, she screws you know? up the ritual, and her own magic destroys her. It's great. And my feeling, too, there is that, because she's got Sherlindria's wand, is that what, what happens is when she knocks over the stuff, mm-hmm. Sherlindria says, ah, my chance, and so she causes the extra magic in the wand and perhaps even the lightning to strike the stuff that sends her off to Neverland or whatever she is. Oh, oh that... I know, it sends her off to return to Oz. That's <laughs> Okay, um, that's, you know, that's an interesting interpretation. There's nothing in the movie to suggest that, but... Well, the wand's glowing. Yeah, but she's, because she's using it. She's trying to channel magic through it. But it's it might also, it, yeah, it might also be that Sherlindria, her wand is like incompatible with her. But considering that we know, let's see, zero about yeah. Sherlindria except yeah. that she likes the Sherlindria, who appears to be, we think she's the queen of the brownies, the fairies. We don't know. We're never told. She's sort of a glowy lady. Is she's she a kind sandwich? of a, uh, We don't know. She's like kind of a <laughs> slight ripoff of Galadriel, but without the character mm. or anything. Yeah, yeah, I felt she was a little bit more, or meant to be a little bit more Celtic, but you know, yeah, they, yeah. you know, didn't even have an accent. She just, she just gets real big and yells. Yeah. By the um, way, why do the brownies have French accents? I do not know. It is very strange, is it not? Um, it works fine. The funny yeah. thing is, is I was watching the making of thing, and they had the two brownies, main brownie characters, uh, mm-hmm. whose names I don't remember. Rick Overton um, and Ke- and Kevin Pollock also. No, no, no uh, character names oh, I don't remember. Rule and I think Jean, it, something Jean. No, something Jean. Yeah, French Jean. Uh, that was it. Yeah. French Jean. That's right. Um, so they were meant to be French. They mm. were having had the two in costume, sitting in little director's chairs, <laughs> obviously in front of a blue screen, in yeah. front of a. Barbie's dream house. And they were talking about, ah, the stupid director. He does not get it. George Lucas, you guys must get us a better thing. And, and I, I didn't remember who the actors were, uh, or at least for Kevin Pollack. And I was like, oh, they had French people doing these these parts. And then they dropped the axe. I was like, oh, oh, that's right. It's Kevin Pollack. Crap. Wow. So, yeah, I have no clue why they're French. Um, because French. That's why. I, they do get, I mean, I will, I will say, I find they get really grating after a while. The co- comic relief... You know, everyone's just, what, was it something we said? Like, ah, smackety-whackety-doo. I hit but, something, yes? No. Yeah, but, I mean, some of it is, is fun. I do, I do like, you know, we are here, you are safe. Yeah, I they are, I do enjoy them, but they're, they're, a little goes a long way. Yeah, yeah. Um. So, yeah. Uh, I'm going to back up a little to Mad Mardigan because mm. uh, the, we were talking a little bit about his... his um, Dust of glowing embers, whatever the crap it was. <laughs> um, he had another heart. one of my favorite quotes in the film, and he does get a lot of fun things, you know, like with the whole. You see that? He took our black root. He took our black root. That's okay. I'll get some more. Um, <laughs> she's a Laura Denning, queen of the blah blah blah. But the last thing she wants is a hairy chest. But <laughs> Mad Mardigan later on gets this quote. He's like, "I don't love her. She kicked me in the face." <laughs> <laughs> So it, this film has a lot of fun quotes in it, um, which, you know, especially the I Stole the Baby Max and I've been doing since the film came out 30 yep. years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it's 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 because he's there and because he's such a 
presence, such a forceful character. The film's called Willow, but it's kind of Mad Mardigan too. It's it's split a lot between yeah. the two of them because he he makes a a comeback as it were. Um, he or, has or, a redemp- he has a redemption arc. Yeah, I mean well, even just this the little thing when Eric is saying, you know, you you serve nothing, you 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 are loyal to nothing. And he just looks him right in the eye and in front of all these people. And this has got to be a little bit degrading for a human or a daikini. He says, I serve the Nelwyn. Yeah. And to be fair, I think he was both making a statement and also kind of saying, I think more of this little person than I think of you. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, a nice way to use a little person, but whatever. <laughs> um, but my favorite moment of the film actually is between Mad Mardigan and Eric. Um, of all the stuff that's going on, it's this little tiny moment. And I think I've actually probably blown it up a little over the years, but in that mountain or snow village and Hey, props again, real snow makes a difference. Hear that directors use real snow. (laughs) Um, Mad Mardigan, once they, they managed to, uh, basically get the kale has said well they're not here because we looked under every hut well we looked in that hut we're going <laughs> uh, most of the guys have left and uh, now sorsha is under um the knife of mad mardigan he turns to eric and he says hey come with me and eric says yeah no thanks you know i've got other things to do and then this is the part you don't like where you know uh, mm. willow gets on the horse uh, <laughs> yeah but willow and sorsha and mad mardigan basically go riding off into the sunrise because it's morning Mm -hmm. and we cut back to eric and eric watches what's going on and for me i was watching this and the character seems to have this little sort of glistening understanding it's like hey you know what the adventure's going that way and i have other stuff to do but it's like i was about to be in the middle of something and i just about let it go and he does change his mind and you also get the the idea in that moment it could have been Eric. Eric could have been the hero. Hmm. And there was just something not quite there about him that he's going to be second best. And eventually, of course, he does come to the big battle and he does die at the hand of Kale. Um, but it was just this nice little moment where it's just like, oh, crap, the adventure's getting away from me. I'm about to be written out of this book. I gotta yeah. go. I, I kind of, I, I always thought it was more like, oh, there goes the plot. I better follow. <laughs> Because yeah, I, I'm sorry, the way Eric comes across in this movie is much more of an NPC than a main character. Right, but mm. and but you can feel that difference, and I actually like that difference. It actually yeah. makes what Mad Mardigan is stand out just a little bit more. It's like, huh. given a group of reasonably similarly skilled people, what makes one of them the hero and the other one not? And you can see that contrast, and that's what mm-hmm. I like about them, and I also like their chemistry. Okay. Um, and I thought that, you know, it's, it's, it's weird little things like that, that I'm not even sure you can plan. Like, I don't even, I think that's me making all this up, Mm. but those things to me are what's gold in movies. When you've got those moments, those little things that are like, ah, that's huge, you know, and it's not huge, but it is, it's just underlying this, you know, explaining things without somebody coming out. And, you know, so this is how the force works. There are midichlorians, which blab, I know. And yeah, expository dialogue. Mm. So, um, anything else in your notes? No, I think that's it. I think we should uh, move to talking about whether this is a gaming movie or not. 
yeah, I think uh, I think mm. that pretty much kills uh, kills my notes except yeah. for one point. There's that that there's one little bit in the uh, in the inn. I would say that rainy part, but that you know describes yeah. the whole film. Yeah, uh, where they're in an inn and Mad Mardigan has to dress up as a woman, yeah. uh, and that works real well. But uh, it's cool because uh, War- Willow shows up at night, and then they leave the inn and it's morning. Um, okay, I'll just leave that there. What? Well, uh, nighttime passes real quick. <laughs> oh yeah, the, yeah. Time is a little funny in this uh, in this movie. Yeah. Oh, oh, just one other thing I noticed. It's I I like that they never explain the derogatory term for the little people, the Nelwind among the Daikini is peck, which I assume has to do with the measurement, like a bushel and a peck, and a peck is oh. a, is like a small basket. Oh, I was thinking like the peck of a bird for some, for no reason at all. That's the yeah. only thing that came into my head. But... Yeah, no, I think a peck it was the size. And it may it makes sense. It's like call it like when you call someone half pint. Yeah, huh? I thought okay. Didn't think a, about it. That's a nice touch. Well, that's that's one of the things Lucas kind of did really well in Star Wars, which is he came up with other names for things that made sense, but that we don't ever use for that thing. Mm. Like, oh, those aren't handcuffs; those are binders. It's like hey, that makes perfect sense. Right, and those aren't children; they're younglings. Now nah, that le- I said Star Wars, <laughs> I didn't say those other films. Right, right. No, <laughs> that no, didn't that was unfair. I don't remember them. And honestly, la, 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 this la. was another movie. Back when George Lucas could come up with cool names. I mean, when he wasn't making fun of film critics. Because some of the names, I mean, Mad Mardikin, that's a great name. And Willow and even Bavmorda and all the others. Those are cool names. And the place names don't sound stupid. I guess he just ran out. I I guess. Yeah. Tiris Lee, which is not spelled anything like I thought it would be. Yeah. Uh, it's Tyr... Asleen, and I didn't know there was an N at the end. No, but it's I, didn't t- I thought it was Tiras Lee, and it's oh. Tier Asleen. That's like whatever. I um, thought it, I thought it was Tier Asleen because that's more Celtic. They have like Tier Nanog. Tier T I R is like a word. I don't. I think it just means place, but I'm not sure. Well, it's just that they or never pronounce it. They always, they always pronounce it Tiras. Yeah. And it's like okay, yeah. whatever. Like Minas Tiras Tiras <laughs> Minas. Never, never mind. Um, yeah, big, and, big, you know, not not a hugely successful film, and no. you know, not a great film, but it has some things going for it. Yeah. Val Kilmer is 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 great in it. Uh, Warwick Davis is great in it. Um, I mean, Jean Marsh is a lot of fun. I also really liked her in in the pretty much looked down upon film Return to Oz. I really liked Return to Oz. It is not a happy film. No, it's a dark film, but, but she's it, great it's, in it. It's really good. She's Mombi, right? Yes, she is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and she does a great job. She doesn't have a lot to do, but she's really good. No, uh, but it's, you know, if just on the film part, besides the D&D part, mm-hmm. I'm going to say that it's worth at least a watch. And since you can only watch it for free, hey, have fun. Yeah. Um, if you somehow haven't seen it. And, you know, it's it's not required viewing. I wouldn't say like Conan, it's it's basically required viewing. No, but no. It's a fun It's a fun evening. It ha- it's a little long, but it's I, a fun I evening. stand by what I said. It has a lot of good parts, but it doesn't yeah. hold together as a, as a complete movie. And I will agree. Mm-hmm. But the roundup is it anything like D and D, Max? It has some elements that are D and D. This is again the same thing with the movie. I think there are parts of it that are very D and D ish, and there are parts that really aren't. Yeah, uh, I, I don't think it, I would not call this. I would not say okay if you want to understand D and D, watch this movie. I would not say that. No, no. I will say this, though, that they do give kind of equal screen time, if not screen presence, to both Mad Mardigan and Willow. Mm. But Willow's major job is to 
hold the baby. Yeah, he does not do a lot of adventure stuff for most no. of it. Once no. in a while, he does a little, you know, a little sidekick stuff. <laughs> Put down that oh. comedy relief. Yeah. The, I told <laughs> that, that farmer's daughter. <laughs> Um, and I also will say he kind of gets screwed in the end because like here's the, the great kingdom and it's obviously going to be uh, overseen until, at least until uh, Alora Dannon is old enough. It's going to be overseen by Mad Mardigan and Sorsha and they shall live happily ever after. And yeah. you, you get you, a Willow, pony. We thank you. We grant you a small pony <laughs> and a ride home alone. You're welcome. He gets a book of magic. Yes, he does. Whatever that. I I was waiting for him to open it and flip the page to go, there's nothing in here. It's like, yeah, it's all just whatever, figure it out. I thought snakes would pop out. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, no, he doesn't get, I like to think that, I I hope, as you say, you you have your own sort of sub-narrative in your head about some of them. I I hope they gave him like a little money so he could pay off Jerkface, uh, who appears to be his landlord. Where's the little chest of gold that they hid in the troll can? Oh, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But he does also, he gets the respect of the village because he, he, not only does he not die, but he comes back with a nice pony and he shows he can actually do magic now and maybe he'll get more <laughs> He makes respected. a bird poop on Burgle Cut. <laughs> Which I, I'm sorry should get him a medal right there. Yeah. 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 Um, I, I'm going to go out there with you and say, yeah, yeah there's adventure things. Mm. Um, one of the main things that is not adventure is that he goes out and has the one adventure, admittedly a very big one. Yeah. He has the one adventure and then goes home. Yeah. And not in the sort of Lord of the Rings way of going home and discovering he can't actually go home. Right. But going Spoiler. home and you just assume, okay, he's going to go home and plant crops and stuff. Yeah, and be nobody. Well, there's well, also the implication... He's probably going to be the High Aldwin. Yeah, he might be the Aldwin's uh, uh, apprentice, as he tried to be at the beginning. And yeah. the Aldwin obviously likes him. It was like, you know, why, why didn't you trust your instincts? You knew the answer to the question I asked, but you, you didn't trust yourself enough. Now maybe yeah. he does. Yeah. So. But, uh, yeah, there's there's not a, var- a wide variety of characters to play here because he's not really a sorcerer, so mm. you can't really... I mean, he's sort of like a an apprentice first-level mage. Um, yeah, pretty that much. Has, that has been given a cantrip of which has, he has three charges, and that's it. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah and the rest is all sleight of hand and such. Yeah. Um, you've got a, a well, probably a fighter thief. Mm-hmm. Um, you have another fighter, which is Sorsha. Yep. Um and you've got a an NPC, which is a lower level fighter named Eric. Yeah, um, and you but you got the brownies, also NPCs or plot devices, as you were, whose main thing is to, well, they're guides and they pick a lock. That's yes. about it. Yes, and then eventually you get a wizard, but she only shows up long enough to get wet and kick some butt. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> in that order, she's less a wizard, and again, more of a plot, more less of a character, more of a plot point, at least in terms of gaming, because it's like, all right, now we stand back and let the two NPCs fight. Yeah, and the major reason that this is not a D and D film, because because Max, this mm-hmm. is the thing that Max always says, it's yep. this or not D and D. There's no looting. Nope. <laughs> The closest thing you get is Mad Mardigan at Tyr, whatever it was called, Tyrna... Tyrus Lee. Tyrus Lean. He, like, breaks into the armory and gets himself some weapons, but that's not real. I guess that's no. almost looting, but that's more yeah. desperation. No, nobody steals anything. Nobody gets rich. No. Um, so, yeah, if you're looking for D&D, this is, this is more like something you'd sprinkle on D&D to make yeah. it taste a little different. I'm not going to necessarily say better. This is something is... you would use to fill in the corners, you know? Yeah, um, so unfortunately, you know, not. But, um, yeah, so we've decided, uh, worth a watch. If you don't see it again, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, Ron Howard will will forgive you. Um, 
I don't care. Well, you can't give George money because there's no way to get this film except basically used yeah. or free, mm-hmm. uh, which is weird. It's like very I, you strange. Know, I've seen plenty of lesser films that are still equally available anywhere, and the fact that this is not available is just kind of strange. Apparently, it only came out in DVD like late in the 2000s. Huh. Um, so mm-hmm. yeah, it's I think 2006 or seven. There's or probably when... some licensing weirdness going on. I think it's just a case of, eh, <laughs> you know, eh, mm-hmm. you know, George does that occasionally. Yeah. Um, I'm looking at the original theatrical release of Star Wars. Eh. <laughs> so, so Max, yeah? uh, that means we're at the end of this episode. What are we doing next week? Next week, we're going a little different. We're going to do our first animated movie. And this is again. <gasps> animated film. Yes. This is an older movie. Big surprise. This is from, uh, actually, I think it's the late 70s, early 80s, Ralph Bakshi's movie, Wizards. 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 So we know it has wizards in it. Yeah, or at least one, yes. we. I have seen this one before. I haven't seen it in a long time. I'll be interested to see how it holds up. I bet it doesn't, but we'll see. Uh, I have not seen it since the 80s, mm. uh, sometime at the Harvard Square Theater on the big screen. I think I've seen it once, and I remember literally one scene, which I think is pretty much the end of the movie. Yeah. Um, but that, does this hold up as a, as a D&D film? Well, I guess we'll find out. Yep. In the meantime, though, if people wanted to talk to us or follow us, how would they do that? Well, they could go to our website, maxmikemovies.com. Which is actually, I assume, where you're listening to this. You can also find us on iTunes in uh, Apple Podcasts or, or on iTunes in the podcast section. Or if you uh, use Android, you can use Google Podcasts or any and just search for Max Mike Movies. We're on there. Uh, you can also follow us on t- Tweet Tweet <laughs> at uh, Plort Max Mike Movies. At Plort, as we've said, is the proper pronunciation of the at sign. Oh, we don't uh, have to tell them anymore. Yep. They all and know we do right have, a, and we do. You can uh, like us on Facebook, or uh, we don't have anything on Pinterest, Etsy, Instagram. Uh, I Mike is refusing to let me set up a Tinder account for us, but <laughs> maybe a Grinder account. Yeah, there, yeah, maybe that. <laughs> we have to make compromise, but uh, so you you can find us on social media. We're out there. Cool. And if you want to leave comments, please do. Yeah. We may or may not use your comments in future episodes, which in- means it's kind of interactive. Yeah. So be funny. Yeah, or else. Yeah. Uh, speaking of being funny, this is the point. Uh, it says ah. in my script, uh, let's see, yeah. parentheses, Max says something funny so we can end the episode. Uh, uh, did you, uh, did uh, you do your homework? Um, uh, Ernest, you, um, Ernest Borgnine is actually the Loch Ness Monster. You uh, you, you didn't do the, your homework. Did I, you, I, I did not. I did I not. I, I did not come up with a clever ending, so we're just going to suddenly stop the film. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>